Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Grove. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Snapchat, SnapJHood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. Saying what's up to you guys watching on Instagram Live. And our first hour as we broadcast live from our first Midwest bank studios. Yeah. On the program tonight, we'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Jesse will be with us coming up at 735. Also, we will have our guy Alex Brown. NBC Sports Chicago covers the Bears. We'll hear from the former Bear coming up at the top of the hour for a summer of football. We always give you something special when it comes to football. Something fantasy, something college, something pro. Tonight, Alex Brown will be with us in one hour from now here on ESPN 1000. Also, Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. And Ray Flores will stop by. Ray Flores, our uh, mixed martial arts, boxing, combat sports expert. Some interesting things happening over the weekend where, once again, we have a champion in place in MMA. Now, can Miocic be able to con- continue his momentum after the win over the weekend? Some boxing stuff and something going on with Ray personally we need to talk about here because I'm very concerned about the young man. If you follow him on Twitter at SBR Flores, you can see that for yourself. We'll get to that coming up at 9.30 and playing time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Hope that you had a great weekend. Hope that you have a great Monday night. I keep you company here until 10 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Great to have you in today because we have a lot of things to discuss here as this portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Check out their open house this Thursday from 4.30 to 6.30. Tell them Tom Waddle sent you and get $50 off. All right, Eric, let's start and talk about the Bears because the Bears, they played the New York Giants on Friday. And I've said a lot here this summer that if you're not into exhibition football that's fine but there are a number of people that are into exhibition football and the reason why is because it just whets the appetite for the regular season 
it's not necessarily anything where I got the yellow pad out and I'm breaking down play by play of everything in exhibition season, but it's on. And usually if I'm going to turn on a game that doesn't mean much to many people outside the gamblers uh, and those that have a uh, interest in their team, I'll watch and see which first teamers are out there because usually if you're looking for the same players that you'll see on Sunday, you probably are going to look at the first quarter. You'll look at maybe the second quarter, just maybe, but mostly the first quarter to see what happens. Well, the question I would have for you is this right out of the top, is that with the Bears losing 32-13, to the question I would have for you is why didn't Mitch Trubisky play? Why didn't he play? Now, you ask a question, well, why are you asking this? Why didn't he play? Because it's exhibition season. It doesn't really matter, right? Why should the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears play against the Giants? He was out there for the first game and handed the ball off three times, so he's ready, right? Let me tell you what's happened here over the weekend with other teams because Once again, when we talk about the Bears, I never just talk about the Bears. I will always talk about the NFC North. I always talk about the NFC. I like to talk about everything in football because that's important. You don't look at the Bears from last year versus this year. You look at the Bears for this year versus everybody else in the NFC. It's more of an interesting look. It might scare you, right, to look at other teams that might be as good or better than the Bears. But nevertheless, the way I look at the Bears is not – who's going to be the second team or who's going to be the third team or four. It's not about that. It's about the Bears versus everyone else. How can the Bears be able to go through their schedule? And if they're able to get to the postseason, what can they do against some of the other upper echelon teams in the NFC? So I look at what happened over the weekend for exhibition football. Trubisky did not play. Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray were the quarterbacks for the Bears. As a matter of fact, you didn't see a lot of what we are going to consider the starting running backs or the starting wide receivers out there. As a matter of fact, the Bears didn't play over 20-plus starters, 25-plus starters in the game against the Giants. But you know who did play? Trubisky didn't play, but you know who did play? Josh Allen played. You know who Josh Allen is? Josh Allen is the quarterback for the Bills. You know who did play? Sam Darnold, the starting quarterback for the Jets. You know who did play? Matt Ryan, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, You know who did play? Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks. You know who did play? Kirk Cousins. $84 million guaranteed. He was out there and played. It was just for a series, but he was out there for the Vikings. You know who else was out there? Deshaun Watson was out there for the Texans. Pat Mahomes, you know him? The, The cover, the guy that's on the cover for Madden, that guy. Pat Mahomes was out there, and he played over the weekend. So did Marcus Mariota. So did the combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick and and Rosen. So did uh, Winston for Tampa. And you know who else played? If you watch the game or know what happened, you know who else played? Eli Manning played. And scored a touchdown against the Bears' second team. So if that's not enough, how about this? Why is it that those quarterbacks... How come they were out there for a series or two working with their offense and Trubisky did not? Here's what is troublesome to me looking at this Bears season coming up. I'm not going to deviate on what I told you about the Bears earlier this summer because I'm not going to change. I still feel that the Bears are a playoff team. 
I still feel that their defense will be strong. or If, if not as strong, at least in the ballpark of being strong defensively based on the amount of quality talent on the defensive side of the football. However, offensively, there's still questions about what we could see. This is why I'm so looking forward to the upcoming season, because it tells you a greater story than you and I could ever know about what Mitch Trubisky is. Mitchell Trubisky may not play another down in the preseason, and he is either hiding or Matt Nagy says, let's not expose you until the first game against Green Bay. I know that when Tony Dungy was a head coach, as we talk about the Bears, with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, I know that when Tony Dungy was coaching, he might have been the first to try to remove some of his starters off the field and bring in reserves, even toward the end of the regular season when he knew that he had a playoff berth clinched. He might have been the first, but it's in that era where you have to be careful now because you know, you got to wrap up your players in bubble wrap. You got to make sure they don't get hurt. You got to make sure that they don't get injured because you just never know when you realize that players can fall down the stairs in their home and get hurt. They can get hurt on the practice field. They can you you, can't, you can only protect players so much. It's a physical sport. Things happen. The idea that in 2019 everyone has to be baby because you got to because of fear of injury, not actual injury. You are because of the fear of injury. You're trying to wrap up your assets to make sure that they don't get hurt when they get, it can happen any time. But the bigger point is this: if it's not because of injury that Trubisky's not playing, then what's the problem? Why isn't he playing? We were talking about this this time last year about how the starters did not play. Full house at Soldier Field, ready to see the new offense. And Nagy says, "Now nah, you're going to put the second teamers out there." All I know is that from the reporting that we were able to glean from ESPN and other places, that after the Bears lost against the Carolina Panthers, Nagy really was able to really dig in to the offense's ass and was saying this is not acceptable and going after it and talking about how the personnel has got to get better, the production has to get better in practice. Maybe that's where it's got to happen, right? Maybe that's where it's all going to materialize for the Super Bowl magical season for the Bears. But I'm just telling you that there are veterans and young quarterbacks that I just named for you that was out there with their first team. Even if it was just for a series, even if it was out there for two or three series, they were out there. The alarming thing, there's some quarterbacks that did not play. Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. There's a few others in the preseason. But what stood out to me is in Friday's game, you have a guy that's a Hall of Famer and a two-time Super Bowl champion that's out there in Eli Manning who had no really – if you're going to make a case for him not to play, you can understand it, right? It's Eli Manning. You have the Maras, the ownership there believes in Manning. They believe that he should start all 16 games and leave the draft pick Daniel Jones on the bench. That's fine. That's fine. But Manning really didn't have to play, and he was out there against the Bears. To, sh- to show what? I don't know. But he scored a touchdown. But the Giants were not afraid of Manning's injury. You know, the Kansas City was not afraid of Pat Mahomes being injured. They, you know, other quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins of all people, right? Not afraid on like whether or not he's going to get injured or not. But Trubisky, Trubisky may not see another snap in the preseason. Why? You may see it as meaningless because, well, it doesn't mean anything in the one loss record. But what it does mean is for Trubisky to be able to have a rapport with his offense and rapport with the team. 
You would imagine that the quarterback is a leader of a team, right? No matter how good or bad a quarterback is, it's about leadership. It's about, yep, you know, we're all focused, we're all on the same page, and we all should be out there trying to do our best. And the quarterback has to show his wares, you would think, right? Well, in this scenario, Matt Nagy feels that it wasn't important. As a matter of fact, he talked to the media about this yesterday on not playing starters. So my biggest thing is I'm trying to do what's best for the Chicago Bears, and every team is different, and that's that's okay. You know, all teams are different. E- each uh, each coach has their own plan with their own team as far as where they're at depth-wise. We love where we're at right now in regards to our starters. We feel really good about it, and um, we're able to say that for us to be able to have a – for instance, the other night having a controlled um, scrimmage. Uh, playing a, a full a full uh, a full game for our, our starters was good. It was good for them, and so that's our that's our role. And then on top of that, it gives us a chance to be able to um, check out the depth of our backups and then see where they're developing. But overall, I think every team's different, and, but we're just trying to do what's best for us. So thoughts there from Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Chicago Bears. We talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Pro Football Focus has their rankings, NFL starting quarterback rankings for 2019, and they were able to go through the good and the bad when it comes to quarterback play in the NFL. Now, now here's the thing about this, right? When you look at these quarterback tiers, when you look at these numbers, the numbers are telling you the truth, telling you the real truth about the quarterbacks. Now, you rank them how you want to. I mean, that's I think that's objective. But when it comes to raw data and real facts, and I, I know it's 2019 and facts really don't matter in 2019. It's just based on how you feel versus what's real. Um, but here's what I look at. When I'm reading these things, I'm not looking at the tiers because I have a good feeling where Mitch Trubisky is versus other quarterbacks in the NFL. But the data is is very true. I'll just go through what pro football focus looks at as far as rankings. NFL starting quarterback rankings for 2019. In Tier 1, they have Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. That's their top three. And if you want to argue with that, you can take it up with Pro Football Focus. I'm just giving you the information. So Brady and Brees and Mahomes. In their Tier 2 from Pro Football Focus, they have Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. Baker Mayfield is 10th on this list. That's their Tier 2 quarterbacks. They get to the Tier 3 quarterbacks, volatile or conservative quarterbacks whose production will rely even more heavily on the supporting cast and play calling. Here's your Tier 3 quarterbacks. It's Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, and that's your tier three. Who haven't you heard yet? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Kyler Murray is tier four. <laughs> and so is Nick Foles. And so is Sam Darnold of the Jets. You know who else is, is tier four on this list, according to Pro Football Focus? Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, and Mitch Trubisky. The last tier they have for Pro Football Focus, I will tell you what they say, and I'll see if I agree with it. There's a disconnection between Trubisky's statistical output 
and his throw-by-throw performance last season. And it's a big year in his development. It's something that you and I have talked about a lot here this spring and summer. He had impressive moments as a rookie and a few top-notch performances last year. Though his 63.6 overall grade ranked just 29th in the league despite ranking 17th in passer rating during the regular season. Trubisky went from one of the worst play-calling playmaker situations to one of the best, and that was a big reason for his statistical success. Among the positives, Trubisky ranked 11th in big-time throw percentage, and his legs were a weapon as he finished with the top rushing grade among quarterbacks at 88.2 on your dial. In order to make the, take the next step, Trubisky must improve his accuracy and 10-plus yards down the field and lower his percentage of uncatchable passes that rank 31st out of 35 qualifiers. Let's stop there. So here's how I looked at Trubisky when he first came in and took over from Mike Glennon. Uh, he took over a disaster. I mean, you had no offense. You had no real go-to guys. Last year, you see Trubisky, and I thought that there was some improvement here and there, but it wasn't the finished product, and the defense carried the load. I know you've heard that before, Bears fans, right? Carrying the load, the defense, trying to carry the Bears to the Super Bowl. We've heard this. I've heard this all my life as a Bears fan. And I thought that there were some good throws here and there for Trubisky, but it was not the finished product. And so when I... Read this about how he ranked, Trubisky ranked, 31st out of 35 qualifiers. And then Trubisky is set up with another good situation offensively, but improved play on his part is crucial. I'll underline that again as I look at this. I'll underline this. It says Trubisky is set up with another good situation offensively, but improved play on his part is crucial if the Bears are going to repeat in the NFC North. It seems as though every time I read something about the Bears and Trubisky, it's almost like I'm not sure what we're going to see this year or, boy, it's on him because there are no more excuses. And you know what? That's true when it comes to Trubisky. And, and listen, this is not an old school, new school conversation that you and I are having about whether or not in the preseason all the starters should be out there for every game. And, and because here's how the narrative has already changed. I'll tell you how the narrative has changed. I know sitting in this chair at least five years ago, I would tell you, and you know this too, about how the third preseason game is going to tell you all you need, right? You see the stars out there for a half. Boy, you can't wait to see those. And you know what? That's been broken too. In a lot of places across the league where you don't see starters out there for the entire uh, first half in game number three. Point is, though, is that when you are Mitch Trubisky and you're still trying to get acclimated with your team, and people are not sure, maybe some of the Bears are not even sure, what's it hurt to be out there for a series or two? Why? But for Matt Nagy, as he mentioned, he's going to run the team the way he wants to run the team, and that's fine. But I just find that fascinating that in all these other situations, and and by the way, when I talk about Josh Allen and Eli Manning and Sam Darnold and Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and all these other quarterbacks I mentioned, these are not all bad situations. These are actually some of these teams are actually good at running out their their first team offense just to get acclimated, just to be in that feel. You can do everything you can and simulate everything you can in practice, but it's not like being in a stadium. It's not like being in the game. Are you holding Trubisky back because you don't want to expose him? Because he's fragile? Because if he gets booed, that he's going to crumble? What? Why can't we see Trubisky more than just hand off the football? 
We're going to find out if he's gotten better. Here's the thing I will not tell you. I will not tell you that he sucks. I'm not going to tell you that he's going to regress because we don't know. I can't tell you. And, and I won't hot take it and, and tell you what I think as far as where he's going to be this year. I would imagine with weapons he'll be better, but we don't know. And so that's the thing we got to find out. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're in today. Um, some thoughts now regarding the Cubs because the Cubs did something we haven't seen in three months. The Cubs were able to win. My God, they won two out of three. Can you believe this? And what resonated with me the most is not that the Cubs won two out of three. You know what really stood out to me is that the Cubs were at Williamsport with the Little Leaguers. And there were smiles. They were having fun. We haven't seen the Cubs have fun in a long time. I saw some of the stuff that Jesse sent out uh, on ESPN.com and on his Twitter, at ESPN Shot Cubs. And the Cubs were having fun. I don't know if this is going to be a difference between where the season is now and for the rest of the regular season. But for once, the Cubs kind of felt, they felt light. They felt like they were playing a few years ago where everything seemed to work in that game against the Pirates last night. But it has not been pretty. We have documented this a lot on the program. It has not been good for the Cubs at all. And to the point where when I'm watching other teams like Atlanta, when I'm watching the Dodgers, when I'm watching Minnesota, when I'm watching the Yankees, you could tell those teams have it. They have that that magic. And the Cubs just lack the magic this year. Um, I just um, going to go back to yesterday because you could just tell that even Anthony Rizzo and – Javier Baez, they just love being around those young people. Think about it. I know for some of you, you got, you got to go way, way back. But just think about when you played baseball in the sandlots, right? And you're just playing with your friends or it's organized and you've got your uniforms on. And all of a sudden, big, leader, big leaguers come out on your field and they play on the same field that you play in. Take yourself back to when you're like five, six, seven, eight years old. Think about that moment, how that feels when you're just out there playing and your parents are right there or your your the people that are supporting you, they're watching you play. Then all of a sudden, the same place, the same place where you play ball all the time, here come big leaguers in their uniforms. That's how it was for those little leaguers in that World Series uh, in Williamsport. Uh, Rizzo and Baez, they just loved it. A serious question for you. Is this your first Sunday night baseball game? Huh? Is this your first Sunday night baseball game? Probably. At least in two years. No radar guns. No. Messes me up. It's hot dog a sandwich. Hot dog? It's a hot is dog a sandwich. Sub. That's, which is a sandwich. Well, if, oh, if the buns are split in half, like if you tear apart the buns, then it's a sandwich. We asked every kid who their favorite player was. They almost all said Javi Baez, and here he is. Hey, when you hear that the kids love you that much, what does that make you feel? Oh, great. You know, great to, to have so many followers, you know, this, this young. And, you know, the, the, the way they, they see the game, that, that I have fun with it. I know you guys are accustomed to pretty nice stadiums, but when you see this, what do you think? Um, it, it reminds me of, you know, the days that I was young and, I came to, to tournaments like this, and but we didn't have the opportunity to be around players from the from the major league. So I think it's a really cool experience, and you know, trying to learn some some stuff from the kids. Have you got a chance to talk to any of those kids yet? And what have those interactions been like? Yeah, um, you know, we, we we came on the bus with them, so it was it was really fun. You know, their their question was obviously always fun. If if I, if we play here. Who was my favorite kid? <laughs> it was it was it was cool to be to be around them and you know 
made them made them see how how everything works with us. Awesome, Javi. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So thoughts there from Javi Baez of the Chicago Cubs. Think about that. Being the kid's favorite. How awesome is that? And you love in this city, by the way, no matter which way the baseball season is going, Cubs or White Sox, that there are draws. There are players that um, kids, that adults, they all really like, not just in Chicago, but across the country. Like Baez is a draw. You think about that, how much the kids loved watching Javier Baez out there in Williamsport. And now that, that was great. Think about Tim Anderson on the, for the White Sox on the south side. He is a draw for, for kids, and they really enjoy it. As you're listening to ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, we got some Cubs breaking news here as we turn to Jesse Rogers with more. Jess? Yeah, the Cubs have optioned David Bodie to AAA to make room for Steve Ciszak, who's going to come off the injured list tomorrow. So, Bodie, who signed a five-year, $15 million deal before this season after he burst onto the scene last year, of course, Jonathan, he goes down. Now, it's, it's also part of the you know roster manipulation you can do at this time of year. September 1st is around the corner, so he'll be back up here along with Albert Amora Jr., but it does kind of underscore you know the kind of season Bodie's had. It's been a little bit underachieving. Uh, I said earlier today with Waddle and Sylvie just how, uh, you know, sort of, defensively challenged he's been this year. I and mean, we saw this on the latest road trip. The ball found him at short and at third base, and he's had problems uh, at second base as well. And, you know, he's been okay at the plate, but not as, as uh, sort of dangerous as he was last year. So he finds his way back down to the minors. Albert Amora is already down there. And, again, both those guys will be back in, in short order. But the Cubs will play with an extra pitcher and one less position player over the next few days, few days, unless there's another move coming. Yeah, and I was wondering because that's the thing that you need. I mean, the, the pitching is, is solid. You want to be able to have as many position players as possible. So do you, do you foresee Almora coming up soon? Well, September 1st. I don't think it's going to be before that. I think mm-hmm. in both cases, these guys are going to get a ton of playing time, a ton of at-bats, a ton of reps in the field. And it, it's almost like a little bit of a, another spring training. Because what happens is everyone's sharp coming out of March because everybody gets a lot of playing time. Then as the season starts to go along, and if you don't have success right away, other guys play ahead of you. Now they trade for Tony Kemp. He's playing ahead of Bodie. Happ is playing ahead of Bodie. Now you're getting rusty a little bit. So here's a chance with two weeks to go before September 1st to get Elmora playing time, to get Bodie playing time. And then you come up, and if you're needed in early September at least, you're a little bit sharper. This happened with Addison Russell. He even said it. He got sharper when he went down there. So if you look at the, if you sort of zoom out, yes, Bodie hasn't been successful. Almora hasn't been successful. This allows them to manipulate the roster and also get those guys back going at least a little bit. It actually worked with Russell, and I think they're thinking the same thing with Almora and maybe Bodie. Just get them some playing time, get their confidence back, and they'll be back up here. Jesse, we got a lot more to talk about with this Cubs team because of what happened over the weekend. Hang on a second. We're going to get to you on the other side because I want to talk to you about what happened over the weekend. But that's interesting news about Bodie being sent down. Let's talk more about the Cubs coming up next right here on UTH. Jonathan Hood. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I would ask tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. On ESPN 1000. Maybach Music. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glorious! No, I won't give in, I won't give in. 
Inside the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll have some more football at the top of the hour. We'll talk to Alex Brown from NBC Sports Chicago, his thoughts about the Bears and their preseason matchup against the Giants, and look ahead to what we can expect uh, during the season from the Bears. We turn now to Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. And Jesse joins us here on ESPN 1000. Jesse, as always, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, Joe Madden used to say, you know, two out of three ain't bad. That's not so bad. <laughs> but when finally the Cubs win two out of three, this time on the road. That's uh, that's pretty good because we can't think about sweeps on the road anymore. Just two out of three. That's all you could ask for. And that's all they got on this uh on this trip, um, you know, they split in Cincinnati. The sweep in, in Philadelphia was just horrendous. Obviously, the back-to-back losses in the ninth inning. And, uh, you know, the, one of them coming in Pittsburgh, of course. But the final two games were great. Great on the mound. Great, at, you know, good enough at the plate. Certainly yesterday in Williamsport was the, the highlight. Um, they bookended the trip with a, with a huge win in Cincinnati. Start things off and a pretty good win in Pittsburgh, or Williamsport, I should say, to finish things off. So, I guess at four and six, you could say it could have been worse. It certainly could have been better, though, obviously, if they closed out a couple games. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned to uh, Jeff Dickerson and I yesterday on Sunday before the Cubs-Pirates, and I think we knew this, but we need to be able to talk about this a little bit more, about how there's so many Cub fans all over the country that travel with this team, how they're a major roadshow. They're like Beyonce or Ed Sheeran, right, or, or the Golden State Warriors, as far as people coming to see the Cubs. Who, who do you think is the draw, the must-watch for the Cubs when when fans come out from across the country to see this team? Well, Joe Madden better never sit by as in a road game because people are going to be really upset. They come out to see him. First and foremost, that's the guy that's the most popular, you know, in the rock band. Let's put it that way. And um, certainly Rizzo and Brian are right there as well. But Baez, uh, you know, Little Little League International did a poll of its Little League World Series participants. So everybody at the Little League World, World Series over the last week in Williamsport was asked, who is your favorite Major League player? Number three was Mookie Betts. Number two was Mike Trout. And the guy with the most votes by far was Javi Baez, and that's a bunch of 12-year-olds voting. Well, I can tell you, 42-year-olds feel the same way because <laughs> everywhere Baez goes, they, they want a piece of him. And, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. He's, he's, he gets pulled in a lot of directions, um, but I think he's handled it pretty well. I don't think he is um, – he's cut down on his media obligations. I guess that's the place you should cut down. Why, why, why do you need to talk to us, right, when, you, when you've got fans to deal with and a game to play? So I think he's managing his time well. For a guy that is sought after as much as he is, um, but he's the he's the number one draw on the road for the Cubs for sure. When it's been a season like this, Jesse, it's hard for the Cubs to relax because the reporters are always asking questions. Why are you guys underachieving? A team that is in contention that could be in the in the playoffs this upcoming season, but it's been kind of a cloud over the the team and the organization this year. But Seemingly, from all the video that you shot and the stories that I've read, it seems like more Cubs had smiles on their faces being around the kids in Williamsport. Yeah, it's probably the most smiles I saw on the road all year. Remember, I've gone to every road game, and there, I only saw 24 wins before yesterday compared to 39 losses. And, and many of those 39 losses were of the, of the really ugly variety, whether it be blowout or ninth inning collapses or eighth inning collapses. They've had more blown leads uh, in games than just about any team in baseball. Um, strange to say for a first-place team because that's usually 
one thing that'll tank your season, you know, blowing leads like that. It's just so demoralizing, but they've, they've held their, their head above water a little bit here, at least winning as much as they have at home. And, and yes, yesterday was just one of those, you know, take a breath and enjoy the, the game of baseball, then go out and beat at the last place team and, and come home on a high note after a rough trip. So that's what it was all about. It was great. It was great. And I, and I, I've said this a couple times on the radio today. I'll say it again. I think, the Cubs needed it and felt it much more than the Pirates, who are in last place, who live in the proximity of Williamsport, who played in the inaugural game two years ago. Just it didn't have as much meaning uh, for the Pirates. Now, I'm, I'm putting words in their mouth. They didn't say that, of course. Mm-hmm. But you could just tell on the looks of the Cubs' faces that this this meant a lot to them. It really did. And um, I'm not surprised they played a nice, relaxed game last night and won it. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So, Jesse, no one's asked you this, but I will ask you. I mean, like you've been covering this this team all season long, and it is a, it does a different feeling. We've talked about how it's a different feeling this year than the years past under Madden. So what's your gut feeling? What's your gut say about how this regular season ends? Well, I think they're going to get in the postseason. I'm not sure that Joe's going to get a contract extension, though. So those are not necessarily aligned as he kind of sarcastically said a, about a week ago in Phil, right before we got to Philadelphia and Cincinnati that if this was about wins and losses he may already he, he should probably already have a contract extension most guys that go four for four for the postseason um, get a chance to continue on but all he's getting is one more year I do think they're going to make it though that's separate than the Madden thing you know ever we could deal with that in November when the season's over or late October uh, I do think they're going to make it. They're getting healthy in the bullpen. Um, I think Joe has taken a whole season to figure out who his best arms are back there. But I think he's, he's figured it out. Kinsler, Chatwood now is ascended to that position. Um, I think that Darvish, here's, here's what I think. I think that Lester and Hamels are more likely to find their groove again than Quintana and Darvish are likely to lose it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think those two guys, the latter two guys, are sustainable, Darvish and Quintana. They're, they've already done it for a, a pretty large sample size. And I think Lester and Hamels will find their game again. So we don't talk enough about the starting pitching. It's just kind of there. They're big names, a lot of money in there. And most of the time they've been good. There's There's been some shaky performances lately out of Hendricks and Hamels in particular. But at the end of the day, are you going to bet against Cole Hamels? Are you going to bet against Kyle Hendricks? The answer is no. And I don't think you're going to bet against Darvish and Quintana right now either. Not saying they're going to be as good as they've been because it's it's hard to be, you know, as good as Quintana's been and just keep it up. But uh, you know, I think they're they're quality pitchers down the stretch here, and that's not something we could have said last year. So there's a lot to like in that starting rotation moving forward, as long as they're healthy, of course. And at 35, that's always a question mark. And then you have to make sure the bullpen, you know, handles its own business and the offense doesn't tank and all that stuff. But this starting rotation should lead them to a division championship. Jesse, here's a story that is somewhat related to Joe Madden, but not. Okay, so while you were covering the Cubs, uh, I'm sure you read this story as well on the way back about uh, Acuna for the Braves. So he was taken out of the ball game. I was actually watching the Dodgers and Braves because I was waiting for the Sox and then the Cubs to come on later on. But Acuna was taken out of the game. I was watching this game live. Acuna hits a fly ball to, to right center field, and he just is doing the home run trot. It's off that brick wall, the, the brick of that wall uh, at SunTrust. So it becomes a long single. So now runs at first and third. Acuna decides he wants to take off, try to steal. He gets thrown out trying to steal. So obviously Snitker, the, the man, 
manager for the Braves was pissed off about both things happening because he took him out of the ball game. So was there ever a time that you watched the Cubs this year where you thought, man, this is such a bad play, you wouldn't be surprised if Madden took this player out? Even though that's not his style, but have you seen him play kind of like that from the Cubs? It's a great question. No, I've, I've never thought that Madden was close to doing that. And you're right, it's just not his style to do something like that. Um, maybe if it was something really egregious, but we've seen a few things. We've seen Bias stare at a ball. We've seen Contreras stare at a ball, but here's the difference. The Cubs star players that do that once in a while, he's not going to come down on them the way that Snitker just did. He's not going to pull Bias or Contreras, I don't believe. And I don't think we've seen an Elmore or Bodie or one of those you know role players do something like that. Could Madden do it to a role player? Yeah, sure, it's possible. I've never thought that he was close to doing that. What would have been interesting is if Freddie Freeman, and of course he probably would not have stared at it because that's just not who Freeman is, but if someone like that had stared at it, would Snitker have done the same thing? Meaning Acuna's a young player. A young player needs sometimes to be shown the way, and and that's how Snitker decided to do it. I don't even know if Joe would do it with a young player. I mean, Anderson Russell made all sorts of mental mistakes in, 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 in games before he got sent down, and Joe didn't pull him. And that would have been a candidate for that. So it's two different styles, Jonathan, uh, right or wrong. He decides to do things behind closed doors rather than make a public spectacle of it. And I think both styles can work. I really do. Um, I'm, a, I'm assuming Acuna won't do that again. And I don't think it's been any sort of chronic problem with Cub players. Once in a while, Baez will do it. Mm-hmm. But, man, if, you, if anyone can get away with it, it's him. Okay, one other story that happened this weekend, and that was – a video that went viral with the Yankees. The Yankees are out there, and, and Aaron, Aaron Boone has become a red ass uh, very quickly here as the manager of Major League Baseball. I believe this is his fourth <laughs> or fifth uh, uh, ejection. And so he's just trying to protect his players. And so he gets thrown out. CeCe Sabathia, who's on the ILs, got thrown out. And also Brett Gardner. Here's where we're going with this. Brett Gardner. This is the third or I think second or third time, Jesse, that we've seen him take his baseball bat and hit the top uh, the roof of the dugout, just pounding it. And the umpire decided to throw out Brett Gardner saying, that's not allowed. You can't keep doing that. You're ejected too. Do you believe that Brett Gardner hitting the top of his own uh, dugout, the roof of it, is an objectionable uh, play for the umpire? I'd answer yes or no. I would say no. It's in his own dugout. If he's destroying their, their dugout or the, the, the Gatorade bottle, whatever, you know, um, jug, then that's that's his business. Now, if he does it in a way that directly relates back to the umpire, you know umpire is going to take offense. Now, maybe he did that. I, I, I only saw the 10-second the, the, the clip of him hitting the dugout, so I don't know the context. But I will say if, they can, if the umpires can connect whatever you're doing to them, they'll kick you out. But <laughs> right. in, in of itself, I don't think it sh- he should have been kicked out. No, no. Yeah, that's a thing now because cause this is like – I believe the third time that he's done that, now umpires are up to him or saying, hey, you can't be doing that to your own dugout. Because this is in relationship to feeling like the uh, Yankees got squeezed or Boone being thrown out and Sabathia being thrown out. So uh, to me, I don't think that he should have been ejected. And, and, of course, there's Red Sox fans that say that you can kick him out every time because Brett Gardner is, you know, that stick in the beehive. They don't like him. But, but I mean, it, right. it, unless he's cussing out the umpire face-to-face, I don't think he should be ejected. I don't, I don't think he wants to do that. That's fine. Maybe Major League yeah, Baseball I, wants to find him, but maybe not, a, not an ejection in that spot. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it was interesting you pointed out, like like we all saw, that's probably what Gardner's third time, you know, taking a bat to the to the to the dugout. 
it, the first time he didn't get ejected, right? But now umpires are kind of clued into what his act is, and they're probably a little bit annoyed with it. So um, context is everything in these situations. So if he's doing that and yelling back at the ump, you know, it, it depends. But but in of itself, just you know, cr- you know, taking apart your own dugout. No, I've seen Javi Bias take out his own dugout, and of course, it had nothing to do with the umpire; it just had to do with a bad strikeout. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you, you know, Brett Gardner could always say, I was just mad at myself for striking out. You know what I mean? But if he's connecting it to the umpire at the same time he's doing it, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, Labor Day is right around the corner, Jesse, and people really need to have some poolside reading uh, for for Labor Day. Could you give a, like maybe an example of what people should be purchasing? A book called Try Not to Suck, the definitive bio on Joe Madden, who had his golf outing today. Um, kudos to him. He flies back from from the game last night, and he he, he donates you know all the proceeds today to his Respect Ninety Foundation. You can read about his charitable givings in the in the book. Try not to suck his his uh, early days as a player, and then a coach, and then as a manager. Things you may not know about him pre Cubs, because obviously you know what happened from 2015 on, but you may not know about his life before 2015. So go out and buy. Try not to suck, Jay Hood. Uh, Amazon and other places where you find books. That's where you can find Try Not to Suck. There you go, everybody. Jesse, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thank you, Jay Hood. Good talking to you. All right. There he is, Jesse Rogers. Covers the Cubs. Follow him on Twitter, at ESPN Shy Cubs. One question is next. Hey, yo, Jay Hood. Talk that barbershop talk, dude. Yo, it's time for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll hear from Alex Brown coming up after Sports Center with Summer of Football. We get a chance to talk about the Bears, their loss against the Giants, and just try to figure out where the Bears are. Trubisky does not play. Other quarterbacks play. Why is that the case? We'll talk uh, to Alex Brown coming up at the top of the hour. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between coming up. Uh, at the bottom of the hour at 8.35. And, you know, we're here weeknights at 7. And sometimes people don't have time for a full conversation, a full interview. But sometimes, just sometimes, they have time for at least one question. Did you guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? I am number one. Number one. Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. It is time for one question. We meet Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I told Eric, go through your phone, go through the E's, go through the S's, go through the T's, go to the R's. I'm looking over his shoulder. He stops the R's, R's, and I go, wait, wait, stop right there, right there, right there. Rar A and Randy Merkin, yes, associate program director, right here at ESPN 1000. My good friend, he's with me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hello, Randy. Jonathan, how are you? Oh, uh, you know how I'm doing. I'm here weeknights. No, I, I don't think you've you've. I mean, the history that you and I have together, Jonathan, it goes back what 1995, 1996, 95, yeah, when you were on the board and I was producing for a uh, Jay Mariotti and a Mark Jenskow. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, and, and people, please don't hold that against us that we were producing for Jay Mariotti. We were just trying you know, to we were just trying to make a living. You were you were there probably for my my one of my greatest 
guest booking stories. The George Steinbrenner. You were for the mix. That you were you were sitting right next to me. You were the witness. <laughs> I was a witness. As a matter yes. of fact, it's funny that you say that because I, uh, I I the one question we have for you, Randy, if you're sitting down and ready. Yes, I'm sitting down. Yes. Okay. The the one question I have for you, it's, it's funny. It's written down. It says, "What is your most memorable story about booking guests for host on the fly?" Hmm. Wow, that's a good one because you know I have a lot of great memories of booking guests. Um, on uh, just booking guests for like you know like for instance, well, I guess George Steinbrenner was on the fly, was it? Yeah, he I was. guess I would count that as yeah, that was on the fly. Um, I would put that one right up there. Um, uh, John uh, John McEnroe was uh, right up there. I called him when he was going in the Hall of Fame, and he read me the riot act, but still came on. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I know that one. <laughs> okay, I, I, let me tell you that one. That, that's a good one. Okay, is that, is, that, is that good with you? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. you, t- you t- okay. go as long as you want to go, because I know that this is, there's a lot of interesting stories that people yeah. don't know about really trying yeah. to work work with guests to try to get them on the air. So it was with, uh, I was working at uh, Sporting News Radio. It was uh, Bob Berger and Bruce Murray we were working weekends, and I saw that John was going in the Hall of Fame. So I found the hotel. This is back when you, you got guys through the hotel. You didn't just, like, you know, have calls with their agents or have cell phones. So I found the hotel he was staying in. I called him up, and his, his daughter answered. And I'm like, is your dad around? And she's like, yeah, hold on. Who, who's calling? And I said, uh, just tell him it's Randy with National Sports Radio. I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. So he picked up the phone. He's like, hello. I'm like, hey, John, it's Randy with uh, Sporting News Radio. How are you? Congratulations. What do you want? I said, uh, any chance you got a couple minutes for us? I got my host right here, tape about going in the Hall of Fame. And he goes, so let me get this straight. He goes, you want me right now to do an interview with you, with my five kids, my wife, Patty, John, Patrick's four kids, Patrick, my in-laws, my parents, and the other hotel suite. You want me to drop all that and do a 10-minute interview with you? And I said, yeah, is that possible? And he goes, are you serious? And I'm, he gave the RC serious, and I'm like, yes, I am. And he said, no, it's not going to happen, and don't call back. And he hung up the phone. So Bruce, you know Bruce Murray, I guess that's a no. And I said, uh, that's, that's a no. So then next day, we're in the studio, and I, I look up on ESPN News, and I see McEnroe giving his speech, and I'm like, you know what? What's the worst he can do? Hang up on me again? So I call back again, and I said, uh, same girl, same daughter answers. I'm like, is your dad around? And she goes, Sure. She goes, Dad, it's that guy that called yesterday. Oh, so geez. he picks up the phone. He goes, you again? And I said, John, we're just looking for five minutes. He goes, what part of don't call back don't you understand? And I said, John. He goes, what? I said, you've got to be sick of your family by now. And he pauses for a second. He goes, you know, that's a great call. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, listen up. I'm going in another room, and I'm taping a 30-minute radio interview. And I said, John, all we need is 10. He goes, you'll do 30. <laughs> <laughs> and that is one question. Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000.